I'm Matteo Penzo, co-founder of Frontiers Conferences and your host here. And I would like to thank you for all the support you're showing us. The list of followers keeps growing and so the interest around Frontiers Next Wellbeing. The 2021 edition, this year edition, of the conference will be held in May, starting from our local hubs in Italy, USA, the Emirates and Saudi Arabia. And now, without further ado, I would like to welcome you guys to the third episode of Frontiers. And as I say every episode, if you also want to dig deeper and have access to the content and the presentations from this podcast, all the content and the video and the presentations are available freely on our video portal at video.frontiersconferences.com. Frontiers Next was designed in partnership with the Prime Minister Office and the National Programme for Happiness and Wellbeing of the United Arab Emirates and we held the first edition of our conference in February 2020 in Dubai. What are you hearing in this podcast is a series of speeches taken directly from our stage in Dubai. In today's episode, we are speaking about food with one of the greatest experts of food in the world, Sara Roversi, a food entrepreneur and CEO of the Future Food Institute. I am Italian, and you can imagine how food is important to me. Food is one of the main ingredients we curate at our conferences to deliver what we call the Frontiers experience. As Sarah points out in her speech, food has been the first tool for diplomacy and relationships humanity ever used. In the next 20 minutes, you are going to hear about the ingredients to sustain well-being through food, mindset, community and platforms. You are going to hear how food is strictly connected to family, Come on, ladies and gentlemen, what is more essential to well-being than food? But Sarah will also drive us through some challenging questions. Food is an $8 trillion market, but what's the impact on humanity and the environment? What about climate change? Can we actually produce food in a way that it does not kill the environment? And what about prosperity? these and many more topics around food and well-being in the next 20 minutes of Frontiers. From Dubai, Sara Roversi. Thank you so much. And I will try also to answer to the previous question that came up after our panel. So I'm really glad to be here. And today I'm going to talk to you about food. And I want to actually start to talk about the most essential things that connect us to food and reminds you a little bit how much food is important for our life. Food is life. Food is energy. Food is nourishment. It's love. It's family. It's experiences. When we celebrate, we always cheer together. We eat together. We celebrate our religions through food. Food is inclusion, it's community, it's traditions, it's culture, identity, symbols, rituals, values. And food is a language. If I think about the first time I get in touch with the Japanese culture, for example, probably was when I jumped 
into a sushi restaurant. Probably was not actually the true Japanese culture, but over there I had the opportunity to taste, feel, and smell something that was very different from my deep Italian culture. So sometimes we don't need to know the language of our friend, but food connects us. But also food represents nowadays one of the most disrupted sectors. It's counted like $8 trillion as a market, but as we heard before, actually we're facing tons of challenges related to climate, environment, and food is strictly connected to it. Because all our choices that we do and we take many times a day connects us to a much broader impact that goes back to the land. We're talking about civilization and how the world is going to look like in the future. Are we going to really live in just hyper-urbanized centers? The 70% of the world is going to live in hyper-urbanized centers. How is it going to be? the level of well-being in this kind of situation. We were talking about climate change. Yes, climate change is one of the major issues, but we all know so that agriculture is one of the major responsible for that. Meat production is one of the major responsible for that. If we think about the water consumption, the majority of water in the world is used just for agriculture, and then there's tons of people still thirsty and dying because they don't have access to water. And then we talk about food and fresh food. We all would love to eat fresh and nourishing nourish, nourish, uh, food <laughs> that is full of nutrients. But then the 70% of the food that we eat is hyper-processed. Then we talk about uh, this topic that I think is very, very important. There's more people suffering for obesity than people now dying because of hunger. And when we think about the level of undernourishment and malnutrition, and we connect the map of low level of education, they perfectly match. So we're facing enormous challenges, and of course, yeah, before we were thinking about living 120 years, yeah, it would be nice, but we're going to be 10 million people. How are we going to live? How are we going to keep going producing food while creating a livable environment, a sustainable environment? We're living in an era where coral reefs are dying. We're living in an era where entire countries are getting in fire. We're living in an era where we are going to have very big disease related to many different viruses coming up. We are seeing that every single day. We're not going to have access to water, and it's still everything interconnected. So, of course, the United Nations came up in 2015 with this beautiful and very easy framework, very easy to understand. But it's also pretty complex. And if we analyze food, food match with almost all of the 17 goals of the United Nations. So before, I was very inspired by your slide, where actually you were putting a little bit this kind of uh, ranking of priority that is pretty similar. We have to think, first of all, on where we are going to live, how we're going to produce food. Can we really produce food in a regenerative way that is not going to kill our environment? 
then we have to think about the level of engagement of people, how people are going to live in a safety place with high level of education. And then we have to think about prosperity. And this, for me, is one of the major keywords. So, of course, if we go back to well-being and we go back to the topic of food, food, for sure, has a very crucial role because, uh, of course, it's fueling our brain, it's fueling our body, is connected to our relationship, is deeply connected with our family, our cultures, so it's fueling also our soul. But, as you have seen before, has very strong connection to the livable environment where we live. So when we started, I'm, I'm a food entrepreneur, and I started with my husband doing businesses in food many years ago. So back in 2012, so before the SDGs, before the World Expo that came to, in Italy, actually, in Milan, and as this major topic of, of course, feeding the planet in a sustainable way, we were really frustrated because we were working in food, and I had the chance in 2012 to be invited to join the G20 and then the B20 task force, being very focused on sustainability and environment. So it was 2012, and for the first time, I was working in food, and someone started telling me, you know that working in food means that, that, and that. So killing the planet, uh, creating pollution, plastic challenge, obesity, health, so many challenges. And I didn't know before that, that being a food entrepreneur meant so much. I didn't know that I was responsible for many choices that could have a, such a big impact uh, on people's life. And so I started really investigating how people, digital transformation and culture were actually this kind of combination that was disrupting our relationship with the environment with production, with the topic of access to food, so of safety and security, the topic of nourishment, food as a medicine, and the superpower that we are giving to food, the topic of lifestyle. Now we're not cooking anymore. Yes, I was talking about that. I really care about this topic so much. And the topic of awareness. So investigating what was happening inside the entire cycle of food and started to map out which were the innovations, the policies that were coming up, all the best practices spread around the world, we started really trying to identify which were the ingredients of innovations and the ingredients actually to create well-being. And we identified those ingredients in mindset, community and platforms. Mindset. I'm repeating keywords that I heard since the first speakers. Mindset is crucial. And someone before were saying, I see well-being as a situation in which we are not going to have friction, we're not going to have pain. I'm not so sure if I see that as a positive thing. I think that being in a learning process and facing challenges is healthy. We need to be trained. We need to be trained to be more and to prove ourselves that we can grow. So we really strongly focus on improving this kind of approach, on transforming our people, our youth, into lifelong learning. Then we think about uh, taste. The industry, the food industry, have been working for decades, being just focused on efficiency, creating more, 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 with less cost. But that was completely killing also our body. 
If you go back and you do the reverse engineering of the food package that you find in the shelves of the supermarket, and you go back to the soil, that soil has been super stressed and has no value anymore. So we need to think about the taste as a new quality indicator. Because if you eat a tomato that tastes like carton, and you go back and you investigate how is that soil, you will see that that soil is poor. If you invest in the quality and the origin of food, for sure also your health will benefit from that. And last is service versus care. I was talking before about that. Everybody has been developing industries focused on food service, food commodity, produce, 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 cutting this very important part of food, that is the care, care, food care, taking care of someone through food, taking care of the community, taking care of the farmers, because if you choose this food, you choose to support an entire chain. Then we go in the community side. Community is crucial, and we strongly believe that is really one of the most important ingredients, because we live in a planet where the social aspects has been disrupted in the last decades, and now we need to care about our community, and which are the ingredients that makes a community alive. Purpose, sharing a purpose. Someone else before me was talking about the purpose. Purpose is driving everything nowadays. Sharing values, 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 having alignment in values and find out which are the rules of engagement. Because if you want to be part of a community, you need to know the rules of engagement. Last, we talk about the platforms. And platforms connect us also to technologies. Platforms are everything, and communities need platform. What we need to create a more sustainable food system, a more healthy food system, we need to create platforms and have platforms that guarantee the authenticity of the food we eat. We need to have platforms that are bettering our lifestyle. And we need to have platforms that are facilitating personalization. And this is really one of the crucial keywords of this era. Now, I want to just share with you a very short video. This picture comes from Dubai and is a very good friend of our ecosystem. I want to show you this best practice because I think that embodies all the keywords I was saying you before. The guy I'm going to introduce you is Stephen Ritz, the founder of the Green Bronx Machine. I could mention tons of amazing, geeky projects and startups, but I decided to pick his project because I think it takes all the different elements I was mentioning before. This is his story. My name is Stephen Ritz, and I am CEO, Chief Eternal Optimist of Bronx County. We're going to actually grow our own lunch. We're going to grow our own food today. We're going to go from seed to plate. A towel garden is like this plant, but you don't need soil. And then the water comes up, and then it comes down and rain on the roots. Adults think, you can't farm in the South Bronx. Tell it to these kids. They're farming. 
For so many, food is the problem. Yet for all of us, food is a solution. We have some of the highest rates of juvenile diabetes and juvenile obesity in the nation. And we can change that. We absolutely have the power to change schools in this generation. I think I still see the seed. That, that happens, exactly. You mean I can pass it around and they can see the seed absolutely. in the plant? My job? is to teach kids how we can grow food. And I'm asking everyone to roll up their sleeves and get a little dirty and grow something greater. He lets us plant stuff like salad, cucumbers, tomatoes. My fourth and fifth graders came into a classroom with no windows to build a tower garden and literally turned it into a farm. And we talked about how healthy food builds healthy minds and healthy bodies. And where are we doing it? Right here in school. So did everybody plant a seed? Yes! Yeah. Yeah. The excitement and the joy that these little kids feel putting a seed in the ground and watching it blossom. OMG, as they say, this is their moment. I think he cares about us a lot and he wants us to learn and have fun at the same time. I'm not a farmer, but I'm planting. I'm planting seeds. He always says that seeds are like people because they need love and they grow and grow and grow to be successful people. To use 21st century technology, generate food and to create this beautiful thing to sit by that you can actually eat is game changing. It's empowering. They're growing. The plants are growing and they're responsible for it. And when they know they can grow their own, they really start changing the way they see their relationship to the world and their place in it. I love it. Thank you. So Stephen Reed started in the Bronx and now he's leading the food program at the Sustainable City here in Dubai. Now he's in more than 20,000 schools. And in this school, he started 15 years ago. And actually, it could turn the rating of attendance of the school of plus the 50%. Kids that didn't have access to fresh food now can go at school during the weekend with their parents and are actually having access to fresh greens every single week. This has been just the starting point. And if you see the impact of a project like that on the community, it's huge. It was really starting from education, seeding plants, creating well-being for the entire society. So at the Future Food Institute, actually, we really see food as the epicenter of all our connections. So we go back from, uh, say, at the beginning of my presentation, thinking about the role of food within the society. And last year, we started working with different agencies of the UN, starting really analyzing the world of food from different perspectives, watching how food plays a crucial role within the society. We are talking about food diplomacy and the relationship between food countries, wars, access to seeds, access to water, hunger, this is a crucial topic. Nobody talk about food diplomacy. There are no school programs, no master's programs about food diplomacy. Now, in the month of April, we're gonna run the first company on food diplomacy at the UN in New York, because food has been, since day one of our human life, the first tool for diplomacy, has been the tool to solve issues, has been the tool to solve problems. So this is a crucial topic in which we are going to investigate more. And we started matching all the indicators of the SDGs to all those areas. 
Then we go back and we talk about circular living. We have seen just before myself here on stage talking about multi-generational places. We've been living in silos for decades. When I was a little kid, my grand-grandma was in my house and was taking care of myself. And then I spent my entire life with my grandparents very far from me. And actually, also my kids didn't have the chance to enjoy the life with grandparents, to learn from grandparents. This is part of health. This is part of well-being. This is part of sharing cultures. So circular living for me is a huge topic and connects social interaction and also energy. So living in a circular way. Then we jump into climate smart ecosystems. When we think about climate smart ecosystem, we are thinking about the industry thinking about new models that are not extractive, but must be regenerative. We cannot take more and more and more from our Mother Earth. There's nothing more to take. So we need to think about methods that are implementing circular economy. Then we talk about food identity, culture, everything that connects us, our culture, our history, to food, and prosperity new indicators for the industry. And we go back to the keyword prosperity, that for us is really the driving force for everything. So before there was this question about uh, how might we create a framework to design a society in which we can really see well-being as uh, our focus, as our final goal, that connects all the 17 sustainable development goals. So. We have been working when I was studying at the university. Someone was teaching me, you need to design things to sell this product. Then design thinking came to life, thanks God. And so someone started teaching us, you need to design things that people want, developing human-centered innovation. Now we need to take design thinking to a next level. And we need to start thinking about prosperity thinking and start making things that not Sarah's one, not Matteo's one. We need to do thinking stuff that planets want. So we need really to change our way on designing systems, complex systems, ecosystems. So we need to move from the human-centered innovation, the human-centered approach to the human plus nature approach, the life approach. So now it's, it's really the end, and I really invite you to think about uh, what you eat every time, every time you gather around the table, because every time you bite something, you have really an amazing opportunity. You can really honor the past. You experience and you live the moment with your friend. You cheer with them. You celebrate with them. You take care of them. And at the end, with your choices, the choices, watching the package of your food, going to the farmer or growing your food, you are preparing yourself and your community to the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Directly from our Frontiers Next stage in Dubai, driving us through the super interesting topic of the interconnections between food and well-being. If you have enjoyed this episode, I invite you to share this podcast with anybody you know that is interested in the topic of food and well-being. 
Thank you for your time with us. And don't forget to visit frontiersnext.com and subscribe to our newsletter to get prime access to news and offers from Frontiers conferences. Arrivederci.